Hello and welcome to this week's Friday Fix. I'm Michael Keating, a Public Affairs Analyst at Powerscourt, and I'm today joined by my fellow politics team member, Harold Amu. Today we'll be talking about our visit to the House of Commons to hear the report stage debate on reforms to the National Security Bill and specifically the Official Secrets Act, which Powerscourt has been working on since October 2020. So Harold, why are these changes to the Official Secrets Act needed? What it's intended to do is to create a clear statutory framework by which we can more effectively judge cases where information is leaked. It has to be deemed that the disclosure is done in the public interest and has been disclosed in a manner which is also in the public interest, which means that the subject's manner of the disclosure is considered, the harm caused by the disclosure is considered, and also any other relevant features of the disclosure. So it's a very narrow and specific way by which people who disclose information in the public interest can be protected legally, and it means that you and I and everyone listening essentially finds out information which we need to know. The Official Secrets Act haven't been updated since 1989, and they're no longer fit for purpose. The world has moved on, technology has evolved, and digital information is way more freely available than it was back then. A public interest defence has been recommended by the Law Commission since 2017 and was reiterated in 2020 because the existing law is not compatible with international legal standards. In practice, how would it actually work, a public interest defence? What would it change compared to the situation now? I mean, it's, it's a good question because I think that is what terrifies or sort of frightens a lot of people who hear about it without getting the context. And I think the main issue is that a public interest defence wouldn't allow data dumpers, it wouldn't allow situations like what happened with Julian Assange or WikiLeaks, it's not sort of a, a leaker's charter. So it's, it, it's striking that really difficult balance, isn't it, between making sure that the media and the whistleblowers can put out the information that people deserve to know Precisely. and expose wrongdoing, but also while actually ensuring that people don't have free reign to go and take all the data they can, harvest it and put it out on the internet for everyone to see without knowing beforehand if there's anything actually of public interest in there. Exactly. The, the fear does come from that, that second situation which you described in which information just gets leaked randomly. But, but the problem now is, as the law currently stands without a public interest defence, we do get cases where there are perverse acquittals because information is leaked in a way which isn't structured, isn't making sure to protect the information that needs to be protected and protect the people who need to be protected and ends up with terrible situations in which the jury decides that it feels sympathy towards the person who leaked the information and acquits them anyway. So really it's a win-win situation in that we have a clearer framework and there's more transparency. But out of all the amendments that were proposed to the National Security Bill, this one on a public interest defence was one of only two that ended up being rejected by the government and not even debated in the chamber. And it's also worth noting that there was broad cross-party support for this. Ten MPs um, from Labour, Lib Dems and Conservatives all nodding that this was this was a good idea to talk about. So we had disappointment on both sides, really. We had Sir Robert Buckland, who stood up and said immediately that he was disappointed that our clause hadn't been included or our amendment hadn't been included for discussion today. He mentioned one of the key balances we need to strike with this, the balance between creating new ways of protecting our way of life while not diminishing the rights that we seek to protect. He feels that it's inevitable that it's going to be raised at a later stage because we can't really run away from this situation. This was echoed by Kevin Jones, who mentioned that it's a complete missed opportunity in reforming the 1989 Official Secrets Act. There was actually a great quote from Robert Buckland who mentioned that the current laws give us a random guessing game in which we don't know whether leakers will be acquitted or prosecuted for revealing information. We also kind of saw firsthand that sometimes things are held ransom to 
other bits of parliamentary schedule and other things that happen outside of the bill's control or out, outside the scope of the bill completely. One of the things which we heard repeated from an, a number of the MPs was that there was a distinct lack of time for the debate as a whole, partly because of the schedule allotted by the government. And this meant that there was just not enough time to actually get to grips with the amendments which were being put forward. A few of them also complained that the government had put in new amendments at a very last minute, which they really hadn't had time to scrutinise properly. And it just shows you, doesn't it, that there are some times where even if MPs want to get to grips with an issue, actually the kind of the systems of the House and the structures can get in the way. In the case of this bill, it was raised by Stuart Hosey and Chris Bryan, who both requested assurances that at the third reading it will be given the time that it deserves. Maria Eagle, Stuart MacDonald and David Davis also criticised the way that the bill has been handled so far and that such an important bill, the National Security Bill, hasn't been given the amount of time that it needs for people to speak about it. And that's not just today, that's that committee stage as well, with lots of committee members mentioning that so many amendments had been tabled by the government and not enough of them are being given enough time to be fully considered. So it will be interesting to see what happens at the next stage when it goes up to the House of Lords. We also got the chance to see the new Home Office Minister, Tom Tugendhat, who ran for the Conservative leadership when Trust made her successful bid. But he's not the first minister to try and get to grips with this issue, is he? No, he's not. He's, he's actually the fourth minister who's been in charge of this bill, which just goes to show how challenging it's been to get to this point. You've been working on this for over two years now, haven't you? Yeah. What's your sense of what you think will happen next? Are you, are you optimistic? Yeah. So one thing which came across from the Shadow Minister Holly Lynch, from uh, Robert Buckland, from Kevin Jones, from essentially almost everyone who stood up and spoke today, is that this is inevitable. As we've touched on, times are changing. The freedom of information through the internet, through technology advancing, means that rules which were put in place in 1989 are no longer fit for purpose and this has to happen whether it happens now or whether the government continues to turn a blind eye to the, to the matter it will become a bigger issue and it will continue to rumble on in the background we've got 10 MPs who signed this amendment it's very surprising that I wasn't selected after having such wide ranging cross-party support the, the conversation is not going away Holly Lynch mentioned that the public interest defense has been judged as out of scope for now but the Home Office has been speaking to security services and we're looking forward to hearing their conclusion or what they propose as a potential solution. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Powers Court Friday Fix. And perhaps, Harold, you'll have some more updates for us when it goes through the House of Lords and to its third reading. Thanks very much. Thank you.